You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Sarah. And this is a VHS podcast that goes through the box art trailers and behind the scenes. We pretend to rent them each week. Matt's gone again. It's Sarah. Again. She's back. I'm back. This week's another one where we kind of, well, it wasn't randomly selected. I no. gave you like five titles and I said, eh, pick them. Well, actually, I said, can we get a couple options that are more female friendly? And then you gave me five or six different choices, and I chose this one. The movie you chose out of the six is... Girl Interrupted! In 1969, the wild ones went to Woodstock. The unlucky ones went to war. There's something happening here. But if you didn't know where you were going... You have the distinction of being the only senior not going on to college. I don't have a plan. I just don't want to end up like my mother. Susanna! They sent you to Claymore. The best place in the world for someone like you is less than a half an hour from here. Welcome to Claymore, Susanna. I guess I'm puzzled as to why it is I have to be in a mental institution. Call me a cab. Okay, you're a cab. <laughs> you chased a bottle of aspirin with a bottle of vodka. I had a headache. <laughs> Go ahead, take one step and I'll jam this in my aorta. Lisa, your aorta is in your chest. Good to know. What are they that has me sleep? Oh, I don't, I don't need them. Are we going to have a problem? Look at me. Is there something about sex which lifts your feelings of despair? Have you ever had sex? (laughs) (laughs) Highs and lows increasingly severe. Lisa thinks she's hot because she's a sociopath. I'm a sociopath. No, you're gay. Uncertainty about goals and a generally pessimistic attitude are often observed. Oh, that's me. That's everybody. That's almost like you're about to go to a sporting event. But yeah. that is nothing how... This movie's more like girl interrupted. Like, yeah, it's a it's a lot of interruptions and then a lot of craziness. Yeah, it's. I mean, it does take place in a... Uh, what is it? A psychiatric hospital? Yeah, mental institution, yeah. psychiatric hospital in the 1960s. Yeah, and it's uh, starring your girl. My favorite actress ever, Winona Ryder, especially in the 90s. She was my girl. Yeah. I mean, she's always going to be the Beetlejuice. I mean, that's where I know her from. Beetlejuice. Oh, I know her mostly from- Did you from... just say Beetlejuice with the question No, no, mark? no. I, I know that she's in Beetlejuice, but where I remember her the most and fell in love with her the most was Edward Scissorhands. Okay. Yeah. I mean, she's got so many in the 90s and yeah. even 2000s, and now she's back with Stranger Things. She's yeah. got like so many iconic- roles in like her teens 20s 30s yeah. 40s she was joe from the 1990s little women too which just happens to be my favorite book slash movie yeah so i mean she's got everything and she even produced this she did yeah she read the book so it's based on a memoir 
And she read the book and she thought, I really need to do this movie. Yeah, it's by Susanna Kaysen's 1993 memoir. So I guess uh, she had, um, Winona Ryder, after she read it, she's like, oh, I want to do this movie. I want to buy the rights to it. Someone else bought the rights to it. His name is Douglas Wick. And actually, he bought the rights to it about a week before she looked into buying the rights. Yeah. And then ended up reaching out to him and they uh, collaborated. Yeah. Do you imagine that? Oh, like you're talking to your agent. Okay. Can you help me uh, secure the rights to this? Like, okay. Looking it up, typing it up on the computer. Those huge keyboards in the late 90s. <laughs> clack, clack, clack. <laughs> no, they probably just made a phone call. Yeah. Duh, we'd like to buy the rights to this. And Susanna's like, yeah, I already sold it last week. And did she also, she was also the executive producer. Yeah. She produced it with. Uh, someone on her team i don't know if it was her agent at the time or whatever but uh yeah and then they immediately went after james mangold which i don't think he really wanted to do this movie at first not really his cup of tea what kind of movies does he usually do i copland wolverine oh yeah i can't imagine he would want to do this movie he's really really good at telling stories though he just did the Ford versus Ferrari movie too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, that it kind of explains why he was hesitant at first to do the movie. Yeah, I mean it's an all female-led cast. Uh, you know, very very few supporting males throughout it, so maybe he just felt like, you know, I don't really know if you want a guy to do this. That's what I would think right away. I'd look at it and be like, really me? I don't know well, shit. <laughs> my thought is though is. Because it is based on a book, I mean, the characters were probably already very well defined throughout the memoir. And so maybe after, you know, he read the book and figured, okay, I can do this. Maybe that's why he just decided to go for it. Yeah, I'm sure the characters were well defined, but a book doesn't always have a good movie story or a good screenplay inside of it. You have to create it, which is what happened in this movie. I guess we'll talk about it after words but you know just kind of like teasing there stay for afterwards to see what happened but that's i get it in one part because if you have a good director who's good at telling stories and you have a good story it's like goes seamless usually um even if you have a director who's good at storytelling and you have a bad story sometimes they can get something out of it yeah i mean i'm sure he took some of the book and and like a lot of movies they uh, what do they pump it up? They make the different scenarios a bit bigger than they really are. Well, yeah, they Hollywoodize it. They, mm-hmm. I mean, you have to create a storyline, um, beginning, middle, end. I mean, some people like Quentin Tarantino can shift it all over, but very few people can do that. Uh, you have to do that because sometimes books, like memoirs especially, they're just like thoughts going like, I get almost like a, a diary not yeah, quite, that's exactly what that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. So that's that's what would worry me about it after I read, you know, reading a book like that, her memoirs, I'd be like, mm, Yeah. How the hell are we going to turn this into a an actual three-part, you know, like a three-act movie? I don't know. This It makes me think maybe if I have some extra time on my hands, which I really don't, but I wouldn't mind reading the book. I wonder if the book is just awesome. It could be. Yeah. I mean, it's much more detailed, obviously, than a movie could ever be. Yeah. 
But uh, if we're walking, if I guess, yeah, you, if you were walking down the aisles of the old rental store, what would attract you to this cover? Well, first of all, it is absolutely Winona Ryder's face, and I love Winona Ryder. And at that time, in what was it, 1996? No, this came out in 99. 99. In 1999, I still loved Winona Ryder, and so I would eventually just gravitated towards this cover. Now, the um, the girl interrupted part, which I think is represented by uh, Angelie Jolie, the character Lisa. She looks a little psycho, but she looks a little psycho in almost everything she does, so I, it wouldn't have prevented me from picking it up. Yeah, she definitely knows her uh, her niche. Yeah. Would you have picked this one up? No. <laughs> no? No. This looks like a psychological thriller. This is something more Matt would pick up. Oh, yeah? No, I would definitely pick this up. Because, uh, like, to me, this looks like someone's going to be murdered. Like, when I first look at the cover, because you got the extreme close-up on Winona Ryder, and then kind of, like, Angelina Jolie's, like, looking over her shoulder. Like, there's, there's definitely tension. So they created that. But this also has, like the tear in the middle with like someone took the VHS cover and then tore the middle out where it has their names, Winona Ryder, Angelina Jolie. That was, that was done so much in the nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. It's because Photoshop, it was an easy way to just create, you know, something interesting. What I think is interesting is a lot of the girls that were in this movie, which they're not listed obviously on Mm -hmm. the cover, but they ended up becoming really famous and or were already really famous. Oh, yeah. This is chock full of really good character actors. Mm-hmm. Or just even people who started small like Brittany. Um, Murphy. Brittany Murphy. Kate st- Moss. Yeah, Kate Moss. Well, yeah, and Kate Moss is massive now. Yeah. There's a lot of actresses that yeah, I a lot see of in a lot. Actors, yeah. In a lot of movies, but I don't know their names. Yeah, that, that's what's fun about these, like, especially during this time period, late 90s, because now all these stars are in their 40s or 50s. Mm-hmm. So they're like really well stepped. They're veterans. Yeah, Jared and, Leto is in this one too. Although yeah. he's kind of dropped off the face of the earth, but. He was uh, Joker. That's probably what knocked him off the face of the earth. Maybe. <laughs> but he was, at this time, I think this was also around the time of um, the Claire Danes TV sitcom series. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I have no idea what that name is. Um, anyway, Daria? Was... No. That's no. What? <laughs> Daria. That's a cartoon. Uh, no. Um... The Secret Life? No, I'm just going to start I, naming like, the teenagers. The funny thing <laughs> is, is I love this show and I usually can remember exactly which one it is. But anyway, he was a massive heartthrob at this time. Everybody loved him. Well, yeah. He's in a band and he's an actor. I mean, he was also at this time period, because we've already done this movie, which is um, Urban Legends. So Jared Leto, I mean, he was, he either does Urban Legends right after this, or he does it pretty much the same year. I can't quite remember. I mean, he was just like, this is the only time, I only remember him from Urban Legend. That's where he always started me, because I didn't watch the show that you're talking about that we can't remember. Oh, man, I, I love that show, though. I'm surprised I, I can't. I can't remember. I think it's Claire Danes and My So-Called Life. Yes. I've never watched that, so I never I saw Jared Leto in that. 1995, so it's actually been a while since. It wasn't the only 19 episodes? Yeah, I think I need One to. One season, huh? I wonder where I can get that. I'd really like to watch that again. Yeah, so she was in Little Women and My So-Called Life, so you were just eating this up. And How to Make an American Quilt. 
No, Jared Leto was in My So-Called Life. Winona Ryder was not in My So-Called Life. Oh, no, I'm talking about Claire Danes. Oh, yeah. I loved Claire yeah. Danes, too. I'm so, I wish Claire Danes was in this movie, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, that's kind of amazing. But she's not, right? Well, I mean, Claire Danes would have probably been asked to star in it, but Winona Ryder's the one who put this together. They were in Little Women together. Plus, you, where, who are you going to put Claire Danes as? I would have I mean, maybe put her as... Play? The um, either the pathological liar or the eating disorder. Eating disorder, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I could see that, but even the eating disorder girl was barely in the movie. True. You'd have to make it a bigger role. Yeah. And more impactful. The uh, the lady from the pathological liar, Georgina, who is mm-hmm. Susanna's roommate. Mm-hmm. She is. In a mo- in the show with Kate Moss, that um, the all the fuck. Why can't I remember anything today? The most recent show that you can get on Hulu. You're talking about the maid. Um, She's in the Handmaid. Yeah, I didn't know she was in. Wait, which season is she in in that one? Because I've seen the first two, three seasons. She's the lesbian partner of. The girl from Gilmore Girls. Oh, okay. So she's in the beginning, the very beginning, and then she's kind of all over throughout all the right. rest of the seasons. That's probably why I don't remember. Well, it's The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, The, hands ma- the Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's get into uh, the back of the box here. I'll let you read it. Two-time Oscar nominee Winona Ryder stars in the fascinating true story of a young woman's life-altering story at a famous psychiatric hospital in the turbulent late 1960s. Consequently diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, Susanna, Winona Ryder, rebels against their head nurse, Whoopi Goldberg, and top psychiatrist, Vanessa Redgrave, choosing instead to befriend the resident loonies, a group of troubled women, including the seductively charismatic sociopath Lisa, Angela Jolie. But Susanna quickly learns if she wants her freedom, she'll have to face the person who terrifies her the most of all, herself. I don't know who terrifies me the most in this movie is Angelina Jolie. Yeah, she's real scary. Yeah, so I don't know what they're talking about, but uh, herself, I mean, she just seems like she's kind of lost. I mean, I know she actually has, you know, borderline personality disorder. So the reason that she was considered a borderline personality disorder is because she was, one, promiscuous, and two, she attempted to commit suicide. Yeah. I mean, Toby, Jerry Maguire, Jerry Maguire, damn, Jared Leto's (laughs) character, Toby. I mean, he didn't he kind of just say like he I mean, broad stroke. He was just like, what? You're sad. Yeah, I really think that her borderline personality disorder was just oh, her parents didn't understand her and her parents didn't understand why she didn't have the ability or why she didn't want to go to college and why she just wanted to write. And so mm-hmm. I think there were just a lot of reasons that they wanted to put her somewhere so that she could rest a little bit so she could rethink her life. So for some reason they chose a loony bin. Well, it's not actually a loony bin. That's just the nickname for it. Well, it's a mental institution. Yeah, but none of these people, well, most of them, the only people they were dangerous, 
they would harm themselves. That was the fear. Right. But you have to think about back in the 1960s, like they were doing like shot treatments to uh, patients that weren't. And they did Mm -hmm. this to to Lisa at one point. Shock patients to people who weren't following the rules or who were escaping. And so it's not like a mental institution of today where you may not see a whole bunch of like bad practices. But back then it was a totally different story. Yeah, but still they weren't shocking everyone who was just different. Um, No. I mean, you had to be pretty extreme to get shock therapy in this psychiatric. And they don't even show it. No, they just put everybody in this like particularly, yeah. uh, particularly undecorated, very white, uh, like security room or, or alone room. What was I don't it? know. It, yeah. it was just like that. That's skipping all the way to the end. No, yeah. they did it throughout many times. I thought they only got her one time at the very end. No, they got they put her in there twice. After she didn't she try? Okay, well anyway, let's start at the beginning of this film. Um, She's an 18-year-old student who just graduated high school or was about to? She just graduated high school, and she was the only one in her high school that was not going to college. Yeah, and that was, it was a huge, I mean, everyone was talking about it. Well, her dad, I think the reason, because her dad was like an MIT or professor or something. So he was like part of a a white, uh, very... Uppity, upper class. You know, they were having dinner parties and cocktail parties. Yeah. And mom was always dressed in the the finest dresses. Yeah, like perfect hair. She's Mm. the mom from Growing Pains. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And uh, she does a great job in this. Uh, She seems... It's a small role. But she seemed like really good at playing that I'm a quiet, I'm ashamed of you. Like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you right. snap out of this? Right, right. Like, I don't even know if she actually said that at any point. It's just her body language was always saying that. Yeah, and she was also the one, I think, that was pushing her to go to the mental institution. Probably, because her dad was more like, all right, how much is this going to cost me? Is this going to fix her? When is she out? You know, he, yeah. he was just like... Pragmatic. He wanted all the the details. He wanted the bullet points. Yeah. What's wrong with her? How much is this? When is she done? Right. And yeah. <laughs> At the beginning of this movie, you know, they're just showing her interact with people. And she's very melancholy, I would say. Or Well, she fell asleep at her high school graduation when they hilarious. called her name three yeah. times. And somebody had to like kick her chair, I think, to get her to wake up. Yeah. So she just doesn't care. She's just not a conformist she just doesn't want to be like everybody else. Yeah, you could say she's kind of disconnected. Yeah. Yeah, falling asleep during your high school graduation is kind of amazing. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember anything about my high school graduation except that it was really long. Yeah, well, everyone's is. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're just like, when, when do I get to throw the hat and get yeah. the diploma? I want to get out of here. Yeah, so they have a dinner party, too, or a Christmas party. I don't know what this was. I can't remember. But she was staring at this guy, and it was really creepy because he's clearly too old for her. And then it ends up being his her English teacher. Yeah, her English teacher, and she ends up sl- at some point sleeping with him. But it was just a one-time yeah. thing. But it was earlier. It was another visit. Uh, this one, he just said, like, come to, come to my room real quick. It's just so oh, yeah. creepy. Well, she, I think he followed her to her, 
her room because it was her house. Yeah. And he, like, tried to get with her again. And she's like, it was a one-time thing. Still weird. But, yeah, also this English teacher, uh, he is married to a family friend. And the family friend has a daughter that is the same age as the character Susanna. Yeah, it's just weird because, you know, knowing the family and he's part of the inner circle, it seems like. But it was really strange because it was used later, like her promiscuousness was used later. And that was one of the points against her for promiscuousness. But it really wasn't brought to light. I mean, there was no real story behind why she was sleeping with her English teacher. Other than the fact that she wants to be a writer. Yeah, I'm sure he encouraged her. I mean, there's a whole other movie there that yeah. I feel like this movie just glanced over like, yeah, yeah, she did that. I wonder if they just edited it out. Well, I'm sure it's in her memoirs, but I mean, how are you going to tell? That, that's the problem with like trying to condense a book down to a two hour movie. Something's going to be left out. If you're going to use it, though, throughout the story to explain why she has personality disorder, like they should have maybe brought it more to light earlier. Or they kept flashing back into her life throughout the whole. Well, I'm sure this script was a lot bigger at one point. Yeah. And they're like, cut, cut, cut. I mean, it was already, what, like two and a half hours long or something? I think it was two hours, 17 minutes. Yeah, Yeah. we were both like, oh, (laughs) when is this over? This is long. She just goes, this starts out pretty quick. They they only use about 10, 15 minutes of her beforehand. And then she just goes into the Institute, which we get, you know, introduced to a bunch of colorful characters, which number one, I guess we'll talk about is her roommate, Clay Duvall, who was in The Handmaid's Tale. She's been in a lot. You've actually seen her, but her name was uh, Georgina Tuscan and she was a pathological liar. Yeah, kind of interesting, but I guess this could really, really affect your life. Or you could become president. I mean, either way. (laughs) Yeah. It's just that she's a woman, and that's her biggest mistake. She should have been born a man. She'd be fine. Yeah. I was just thinking, I don't... When she said she was a pathological liar, I, I didn't really know why that would be somebody going into a mental institution. Like, why you would need to... institutionalize somebody who was a pathological liar. I don't know. Well, I'm sure that could really affect your life. I mean, she was lying all over the place when she got upset. That's true. But yeah. But she she seemed like a genuinely nice person, though. Yeah. At one point, didn't she say something about, my dad's the head of the CIA. I can have you killed. You know, like that kind of crazy stuff. Well, you couldn't believe anything she says. And I think it was earlier in the story that Susanna asks her, about what ha- something that happens at the mental institution and she explains a whole long story narrative around you know what's happening there and then Susanna goes what are you in for and she goes pathological liar yeah did and you I, realize she made up the torch story yeah that's going I've, into elizabeth moss's character i mean completely made that up and i believe that that entire movie until the end. Yeah. Or until oh, the might, office. I actually might still believe that. I don't think I caught it at the end if something I, changed. I didn't catch it until because it's all from that perspective of that character. Oh, she, you know, she had a puppy and she was allergic to her. Her parents made her get rid of it. So she covered all the spots that she had a rash on and then lit a match. You realize it's it's just from 
the lying character. But at that point in the movie, you don't really realize how bad it is. Yeah. And then when I think when they're inside the office, I think is when you find out she was just in a uh, house fire. Oh, I must have missed that part. I wonder if I just had glanced away when they showed that part. I, I mean, I didn't really believe the pathological liar story. Like, I didn't believe the dog story or anything, but I just figured yeah. she was a burn victim. Yeah, Elizabeth Moss. Now, she had to have uh, something was uh, because she was 16 in this movie, but she was always acting like an eight-year-old. Yeah, but they actually, they just said that she was a burn victim. I guess that puts you in a mental institution. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a, like later revealed Polly's file that she was a victim of a house fire. But it had to damage her somehow because... Well, it probably damaged, damaged her mind. Her mind so, yeah. or her just her perspective of herself, her self-image. Because there's at one point she stares at a picture of her old self and yeah. kind of falls apart. That was in the falls file. Apart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, and then uh, Brittany Murphy's character is kind of really interesting. Uh, she's one, she was sexually abused by her father. And liked it. Supposedly. Supposedly. But she didn't deny it. Right. And then she also has OCD and bulimia. Yeah, but she also will only eat chicken from her dad's uh, rotisserie chicken shop. And she won't get rid of the carcass. Yeah, so she would would hide the carcasses. Well, her dad, first of all, first things first, her dad paid for a single room. So she didn't have a roommate. And then she would, um, her dad would bring her rotisserie chickens uh, whenever he came to visit, mm-hmm. and she would save them under her bed. And after about three or five, Whippy Goldberg's character would make her throw them out. Yeah, after five carcasses, she made her. The head nurse said you'd have to get rid of them. Yeah. But, I mean, having. Isn't that kind of like enabling the OCD? Or maybe it's part of. I, I don't know, you know, I'm not a. A therapist or anything i don't know <laughs> but when i saw it i was just like ah oh, that still seems just so disgusting yeah there's some weird psychological issues there that i don't think i can even i mean i wonder if that's a true story or if she really had to dig deep in her imagination to create that character no i'm pretty sure memoirs why would she make up anything well that could have just been a someone else could have made it on the yeah, script but it that's seems what i like... meant like that could have been one piece that Maybe. was I mean, how would we ever know that one? Like, well, we'd have to that read. just seems so weird, so specific that it's real. Yeah, we'd have to read the book. All right, uh, and th- we had a anorexic girl too, but I I don't know that actress's um, and- Lisa. Or no, her name was the character's name was Janet Weber. Yeah, I don't know who she was either. I actually still don't recognize her. Well, her character seemed really close to Angelina Jolie's Lisa, where they're kind of like snappy i don't know how you say that they're they were direct both of them Mm -hmm. both kind of like uh quick to anger yes but angelina jolie's character lisa just like literally leaps off the screen yeah she's real she's real she's a sociopath she's really real yeah Yeah. she's a sociopath charismatic Mm -hmm. uh attractive dangerous in a way i don't know if she was just like I'm going to shoot you dangerous, but more like I'm going to steal your wallet dangerous. Or I'm just going to mess you up. Yeah, but she only did it to people. She was more of a bully with it. Yeah, she's just one of those people that if I was in a hospital with her and she kept talking to me, I would feel incredibly tense going anywhere near her. 
Well, she has been in this institute, or at least a institute, since she was nine years old. And I think in this movie, she was supposed to be like 18, around the same age. Mm -hmm. So that's that's nuts. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. She's got a lot of rings if she's a tree. (laughs) She's real real messed up. Yeah. But she's such an interesting character because like one minute, and this is part of her character, obviously, like one minute, she's so charismatic. Like she's... You know, helping um, Susanna, like, hide a boy in her room. Toby in her room by, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to st- stab this uh, pen. You get the one line from the movie. I'll stab my aorta if you get any closer. It's like, your aorta is in your heart. And she's, she's like, like, good to know. Good to <laughs> she know. hands the pen back. Yeah, but she's so charismatic. And then another scene, she's, like, slapping someone for accidentally saying, you know, like, the wrong word. Yeah, but she's also, like, the ringleader of the whole crew. Mm-hmm. They're either, like... They either like her a lot or they're just so scared of her that they just do whatever she wants. Yeah, and that's pretty much... I mean, the story, there's not much to it. It's just a bunch of series of events inside the hospital. That's basically where we are 90% of the movie. Yeah, they didn't really film anywhere else. I mean, the beginning was at Susanna's house in the graduation. There were a lot of flashbacks um, throughout the movie of different situations, but but they weren't like big different like locations i mean the big event in the movie that changed everything uh was when they ran away lisa and Susanna run away they're gonna go to florida to disneyland the new disneyland yeah which Which, if we haven't pointed out this is a period piece in the late 60s yeah which it was disney world i don't know is it well whatever i don't know No, they said disneyland i wonder if disneyland actually were they were going to call it disneyland and then they changed it to world i don't know at some point but it was weird to hear when they're like oh you know the new disneyland they're putting in florida Mm -hmm. let's run away there i'm gonna be the cinderella and i was like Mm -hmm. wait oh yeah it's the late 60s i guess it would be it was just weird to like hear someone say like you know because florida disney world's the only disney i know about because i've never been to california's i've Mm -hmm. never been to euro i've never been Mm -hmm. anywhere i think japan has one maybe Mm -hmm. like disney world's the only disney i know i've been to uh disney world and disneyland but disney world is better oh oh fancy Yeah. yeah this is the part of the movie where i realized that i had seen this before mine was at the end where you realized you had seen this before wait a minute i remember this it's when they went and they visit Brittany Murphy's character, yeah. Daisy. That's like, I think that yeah. part is so traumatic for both the actors in the movie and the people watching that that's the moment that I was like, oh, I have seen this before. See, I think I'd only seen this movie. This is one of the few James Mangold movies where I had not seen it from start to finish. And I think I had seen it from that house scene Till the end, like maybe it was on HBO one night and I just happened to catch it, catch the tail end and be like, oh, eh, that's fine. Whatever. You know, because I probably saw, you know, Winona Ryder's face, Angelina Jolie and Brittany Murphy and just like, wait, what is this? Well, I have to say, if it had Winona Ryder in it and some of these other big name actresses, I probably saw it in the theater. Really? You think you saw this in the theater and forgot? Yeah, I mean... I worked at a movie theater for Uh-oh. two and a half, three years, so I saw a lot of things in the theater and have forgotten. Well, that whole scene, uh, yeah, it definitely came roaring back because Angelina Jolie's character, Lisa, just like 
destroys Daisy in one of the meanest like monologue speeches where she's just like, you know, your daddy's touching you and having you sex like with it. you and you like it. And I was like, oh, that's so awful. I didn't release you because you're better, Daisy. They just gave up. You call this a life? Huh? Taking daddy's money, buying your dollies and your knickknacks, and eating his fucking chicken, fattening up like a prize fucking heifer. You change the scenery, but not the fucking situation, and the warden makes house calls. And everybody knows, everybody knows that he fucks you. What they don't know is that you like it. You like it. Shut the fuck up! But hey, man, it's cool, it's okay. It's fine, it's fucking fine. A man is a dick. Is a man is a dick, is a chicken, is a dad. Valium, speculum, whatever. Hmm? Whatever. You like being Mrs. Randone. And Winona Ryder's character, Susanna, like, can't stop her. She's so intimidated. She's such a force, Lisa is. Yeah. That she basically, she's like, no, stop it, quit. Like, putting the pillow over her head type thing. Mm -hmm. Kind of like what you would do if your older brother or older sister is, you know, like, teasing you and you just don't feel like you can win. Mm-hmm. Like, you're being heard, but you're not really doing anything. Yeah, that's, I'm very familiar with that. Yeah. <laughs> so it was... <laughs> That was a tough scene. And then the next yeah. morning, Susanna walks up and and Daisy had killed herself. Yeah. Hung herself. Hung herself. Like, she was already cutting Yeah. Um, before, but yeah, she had hung herself. Um, I can't imagine that Lisa's monologue about all the awful things was the only reason she she killed herself. I'm hmm. guessing maybe she was probably going to do it anytime soon anyway. But, um, but yeah. I just, I just took it as the like, straw that broke the mm-hmm. camel's back. Yeah. Because she had mentioned, she's just like, you know, when you're dragging that blade across your skin and always praying to yourself, please give me the power to push down. Mm -hmm. I was just like, yeah, she wants to flirt with it. But just that night, you know, she hit the right button and boom. Yeah, that was really sad. And then, and also Brittany Murphy, of course, no longer is is alive. So that was also really sad to see that character die. Yeah, that was... Yeah, I kind of wasn't even going to touch on that because I was like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. But yeah, that's, I mean, that sucks. I don't remember quite if she was an overdose or if it was suicide. I don't know what. It was an overdose. It was an overdose. I think it was an overdose, yeah. Yeah. Especially when we're dealing with COVID-19. I'm like, oh, more depressing stuff. Like about halfway through this movie, I was just like, maybe we shouldn't have picked this. Yeah, we were both. (laughs) We were both sitting on the couch thinking, eh, maybe this wasn't the best idea for a Sunday night. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. I mean, but it was a really interesting story. Do I think this was a really great movie? No. Do I think it had a couple, yeah, it had one great performance and a lot of good ones? Yes. I mean, I thought every character was really well portrayed, except for the pathological liar. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's not something that needs me in a <laughs> mental institution. But I felt like everybody else's issue was really well portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, although, I, I also, I feel like, you know, anorexic isn't necessarily a mental institution. 
situation. I mean, there's actually, I mean, maybe not in the 1960s, but there's actually like institutions for people that deal with eating disorders. Now there are. Yeah, I mean, they even had a character who was gay. And Is that it, why she was in there, you think? I don't know why, but that's what it but kind there, of like yeah. alluded to. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, gosh, I didn't think about that. I just thought that she had some sort of issue, but was also happened to be gay also. Well, to me, I was wondering if this was all like upper class white families. That's exactly what it was. Who had money. And if anything was slightly off, you know, whether it be, okay, bulimia, OCD, and your father molesting you. Okay, she, she's got a lot of issues. All right. But like the anorexic, it was just like, Oh, you know, I could see the father and mother being like, there's something wrong with her. Look at her. She won't eat. So let's just shove her in here. I mean, the truth about anorexia, though, is that it is very deadly if you don't take care of yourself. So they probably felt out of control and needed to put her somewhere. And there were no other options in the 60s for this type of stuff. Yeah. So you just pay money and like watch my kid and try to fix her. Mm -hmm. That's what I assume people back then would think. I mean, I don't know how respected mental health was by society at large in the late 1960s. I mean, it's just now becoming less of a stigma and we're in 2020, so. That's true. Yeah, I mean, it's. I feel like mental health hasn't been respected, you know, until like the last like 10 10 years. Mm -hmm. I feel like the 90s, you started to hear more of it, Mm-hmm. More and more, and then 2000s, and then before you know it, the 2010s, people are like, you know, this is a real problem. Mm-hmm. But then the internet, and you know that for me that changed everything because that's when everything was introduced, and it was just like, and social media, which mm-hmm. just like smashed it in your face. Mm-hmm. But so. now there's like companies like CVS that are pairing with mental institute, mental um, health organizations as part of their fundraising you know usually you just see like animals or red cross but like now you're seeing the mental institutions excuse me not mental institutions but mental health organizations being supported like by the regular society and stuff so Mm -hmm. i think it's a lot different now than it was it is absolutely a lot different now than it was in the 1960s oh yeah because like i mean half these people maybe they could have just given them uh antidepressants called it a day (laughs) yeah now that you mention like drugs man they were just popping them full of pills yeah they had like night pills they had laxatives i wasn't really understanding the laxative part yeah i didn't get that either um i understand why yeah i don't know the laxative part because like some of the people were dealing with anorexia and bulimia so i was like why would you give you know, well, they couldn't get. They couldn't, but why would you give other people Susanna, laxatives? Well, I'm sure, like Susanna's completely, you know, fine with that. Maybe she. Yeah, but I, why? The question is: are, Is the food so bad that they're like super plugged up? Like know. they don't want these people to get fat, so they just give them laxatives. Are they actually stool softeners? I don't like, know. I don't know. <laughs> All I know is she was trading it for value. Value? I was think it? so. Or she was. They were getting Valium too, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not I sure. Know, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was, it was an amazing amount of pills in the morning, at night. It was like, okay, well, that's a lot of pills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of them could have been just vitamins. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. A lot of different colors. I saw some pinks. I saw some yeah. blues, some yellows. Yeah, yeah, like a whole plethora of them. 
Yeah, so that's, I mean, at the very end, it seems like she, you know, figures it out through all of her traumatic, because her and Lisa at the very end, she comes right back and just like smashes Lisa in the face with like a, uh, you know, saying you're cold, no one cares if you die. You know, there are too many buttons in the world. Just too many no. buttons and just... No, 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 no. There's way too many just begging to be pressed. I just begging to be pressed, you know, they're just... They're just begging to be pressed. No, it no. makes me wonder. No, it really makes me fucking wonder. Why doesn't anybody ever press mine? Why am I so neglected? Why doesn't anybody reach in and rip out the truth and tell me that I'm a fucking whore or that my parents wish I were dead? Because you're dead already, Lisa! No one cares if you die. Because you're dead already. Mm -hmm. I was like, damn, Susanna. So at the end. Truth we bombs. We Boom. Sh we should explain that Susanna or that Lisa steals Susanna's diary and starts reading yeah. all of the different entries. And of course, Susanna's a writer. So she's, you know, she's observing and writing about her friends and all the situations happening around her. And so she writes all these truths actually i would say they're truths about the people all these different girls that um well, are I think in this they're just unfiltered thoughts they're unfiltered thoughts but i mean i don't know they she seems like a very intuitive person mm. in my opinion and that a lot of what she was writing was very truthful because I, I don't think that she mm. was actually insane like i don't think this borderline personality disorder in her case, it's a real disorder, but I don't think it was really happening to her. I don't know. It, it's just uh, Whoopi Goldberg didn't think so either. No, they. everybody was... And even one of the orderlies like had a crush on her, and they made out at one point. <laughs> and I, like, obviously, she wasn't like crazy, crazy, or else like... They wouldn't have let Jared Leto come into her room and make out with her. Like, it's, I think. I feel like this institute was really easy to escape. Yeah, and I I feel like, honestly, I feel like the parent, like, rich parents just paid to put their kids there. Yeah. I mean. Because they didn't want to deal with them. Well, I think some of them seemed like they had, you know, real, they needed help. And then others were just like, eh. But, you know, they didn't really show any type of, like, counseling. No. Except for with, with Winona Ryder's character. She got in really good with, like, the head psychologist. No, they were more focusing on, like, this ragtag group getting through their venture, so to speak. And then you also had the focus on Lisa and Susanna running away, being friends that aren't friends that still are friends. I don't know. That was a tough one because they went back and forth. Because at one yeah. point, it seemed like Susanna and Lisa were going to become best friends. And then they kind of, after the runaway, kind of split and had a huge disagreement. But it came back together so quickly at the end because she's like, you're, you are going to get out of here. And when you do, Lisa, you're going to come visit me. You know, because yeah. like, Lisa wanted to kill herself. And then it was kind of like, at the end of the day, it seems like everyone... At least, you know, Susanna is going to make it out all right. Lisa. Uh... Well, they they mentioned at the end of the at the end of the movie, they mentioned 
some of us got out and I, or all of us got out. Was it all of us or some of us? I don't remember. Most of us got out and some I saw again and some I never saw again. And I was thinking Lisa never got out. (laughs) I was like, she's like, I don't know. Her parents must have a lot of money just to keep her in there. Yeah. Uh, someone we don't talk about, we haven't talked about, um, Whoopi Goldberg's character much. And I feel like she's not in a ton of the movie. She like shows up every 10 minutes, says a line, takes off, comes back. She wasn't very, uh, necessary. I mean, it could have been anybody. Yeah, it could have been. That's why I was wondering, like Whoopi Goldberg must have signed on. I'm assuming for a paycheck. Because if you look at the budget of this movie, it's $40 million. And I don't know how. Because to me, this looks like uh, like an independent you know, movie somewhere around five, $4 or $5 million. Where you've got a bunch of young actors that probably didn't cost a lot. Maybe Winona Ryder did. But I imagine... Angelina Jolie did. I'm sure she was... Yeah, but she was... Jared Leto definitely was big in the 90s. Yeah, but how much are they banking like being that young? Brittany Murphy was big at the time. Um, I don't know. $40 million seems like a lot considering they shot in like two locations, two spots in Pennsylvania. That's a ton of money. That's true, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know what all that money was spent for because even if you say all the actors, all those young actors, even if you paid all of them, you know, like upwards of $12 million, spread them because I'm sure Winona Ryder's not paying herself a lot because she's producing it. She right. wants this movie made. Right. So that's what just kind of like, you know, $40 million, a lot of money. It made 48.3 in the box office. So it did. This was more of like oh. make it for the awards. And they did. They nailed it. Uh, Angelina Jolie won Best Supporting Actor in the Oscars and Golden Actress. Globes. Actress. Yeah. And Oscars, Golden Globes. MTV Movie Awards, I think, also. Yeah. I wonder how much of that character was really just her, though. <laughs> that's the part that's scary. <laughs> well, because it's interesting, if you go behind the scenes, you know, the writer, uh, Susanna, what was her last name? Kaysen. Uh, Kaysen. She didn't like the movie. No, she said it didn't portray her memoir very well. And I could see that. I'm sure, you know, you've got three writers on this. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that this was written by two. This is my guess. I'm sure the first two people wrote the screenplay, and then James Mangold, being the director, did his, you know, run off. You know, looking at it, and making notes and changes and certain things like that. And then, so before you know it, you know, when you have three writers from a book to a screenplay, yeah, it's going to change. Yeah. And apparently, the whole running away with Lisa. And Daisy committing suicide. I think that was all made up. Yeah, I bet it was. I mean, Daisy might have eventually committed suicide anyway, but I don't know if it... I don't don't know if that part was true. It seemed a little... No, but you needed, like... You you needed a climax in the movie. You needed a pick-me-up, because at that point, before that... (laughs) If you're about to say the suicide (laughs) scene is the (laughs) pick-me-up... We needed something, though, because... That was, this was about right before they like left the institute, you were playing on your phone, you were watched, like looking at your videos, you were really, yeah, you were really disconnected Mm -hmm. and I was um, surprisingly wide awake still 
And I looked over to you and I think you said, oh, and is this going to be over? And then it got better. It did. The last 25, 30 minutes really picked up. But yeah, the second act of this movie drags Mm -hmm. hard. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if it's... Uh, for, like, I found it very interesting, and I wonder if it... Ha- it Maybe because I'm a female. I don't know if this is definitely, like, more of a female audience type of movie. No, I don't, I don't think it is. I just think they went too far in telling a complex story. You know, it's just, like, some of it should have been chopped. Yeah. Like, I don't under... Like, the part where they went into the bottom of the institute and found, like, a bowling alley... Yeah, like some of that. Like, eh, how about we just have them sneak right into the office to get yeah. their, their files? Like, do we really need to see them playing? Because I felt like the group was already united. They mm-hmm. united at the ice cream shop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yeah, I got it. They're a ragtag group. We get it. Seen this a lot of times in these movies. Let's just, let's go. <laughs> Talking about the ice cream shop, I thought it was really funny that they decided to take a whole bunch of girls from a mental institution to an ice cream shop in town where, you know, maybe most of them are from. I don't know. Because Susanna there, that's when she runs into the wife of the English teacher with whom she slept with earlier in the movie. Yeah. Bad bad luck there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I was like, oh my gosh, I would have never agreed to go to the ice cream shop with a whole bunch of my mental institute friends if it was in my hometown. Yeah, I I think she was quite a bit... uh, I don't know how far. She was probably only like half an hour away from her hometown. Yeah, but they... And then they they probably had to travel into that home. Yeah, you're right. They walked. They walked? They walked. Oh, well, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if that was true at all. You really should read that book. So you can tell me yeah. that's true or not because I don't want to read it. <laughs> I don't know if I can get through it again, but maybe I will. Maybe I'll try to read it. Yeah, so that's all I really have to say about the story of the whole thing. Um, this is one of the few movies where I, of James Mangold, I, I kind of just, I don't know if I'll rewatch this. Oh, I'll never watch it again. Oh, wow, really? Well, I mean, it's too long. I it can't, is. I can't. I can't watch it again. I mean, this was literally the second time I'd seen it. I yeah. realized that later. So I think I've done my time with it. I might consider reading the book, though, because I'd be really interested to find out like how um, descriptive and detailed the book is. Like Maybe there's a bit more to these characters that um, weren't portrayed in the movies. Like Maybe if yeah. I read the book, there would be less questions. About like why is the gay one there? <laughs> why you know because like because it's the late sixties. I, I know, know, but that's but honestly the the sixties though that's when you know free love was happening. So yeah, but not in that town. That's true. It's that's a, true. It's still a small town in rural Pennsylvania. Yeah, and then there was the one smacking the, that shit down. Yeah, well then the, there was the one really large gal that kind of acted like a baby. Oh, that character. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she just occasionally popped up a couple times. She would cry. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, what's wrong with her? Is she just obese? And they stuck her in a mental well, institution? I, mean, I, I don't like, know. 
what kind of shit is this? I don't know. Like, because <laughs> they don't have time to go into all that. And like, to me, like, if you don't have time to go into that, which they didn't, they've already spent too much, you skip over it. Don't even put it in the movie. Yeah. Cut those scenes. But I, I'm starting to think, like, is does Girl Interrupted mean something totally different? Is it... Is it just a way to show that, like, society interrupted, you know, the critical oh, thinking of women or the um, psychological disorders in women? Like, all of a sudden, this movie was more of, like, a political piece of some sort than just about a whole bunch of girls and mental institutions. I don't know. Like, I started to think, why Girl Interrupted? What could it mean outside of what we know i think it's open-ended so you can kind of make your own interpretation and mine was it interrupted her life for about a year because she said she wasted a year of her life there but everybody was interrupted yes Every but i I, I don't think she really needed to be there in her mind at the end she's just like oh wow i don't this i wasted an entire year of my life doing this but again i wouldn't say you wasted it because she her character grew so much. Yeah. I actually didn't think that Girl Interrupted was just solely about her. I, I thought Girl Interrupted was a, like a like a stamp to every single that's, female in this movie. That's what I'm saying. It's open-ended. Yeah. I mean, you can interpret it a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think it's completely on purpose. I actually think this is a really, really good title. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, you know, I this almost is... would just call it Girls Interrupted. <laughs> Although well, that would then, change it completely different. Yeah, because then you're definitely talking about the group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just having it. You know, girl it's... Interrupted. They're not, you're not sure exactly which girl they're talking about at any given time because they're all interrupted. So I guess at the end of the day, it's title good, Angelina Jolie and Winona Ryder good, length of movie bad. Yeah. Long, too long. Whoopi Goldberg, wasted. Yeah, she could have been a better... I mean, her character was just not written very strong, I think. No, because the way the trailer makes it look, and when you look at this movie, you thought she was going to be the character that like forced her to change or helped her to force the change in herself or something like that. And I don't... I just think it kind of like, no... Well, there was one point in the movie just with Whoopi Goldberg. She was so mad at Susanna. She was like, I'm getting so tired of you. And I couldn't yeah, figure I out. I couldn't figure out why. Well, the whole boy, I think. I know, but that was, boy was one situation where she seemed fine with at the time. So I was really, I was like, uh, did we miss uh, a scene or something? Oh, I'm sure there was a lot cut. Yeah. I felt like some of it just was really disjointed. And I would explained. bet. I would bet that the first cut of this film was close to three hours. Yeah, and they probably just had to and the, keep it down. <laughs> and some of the people were like, uh, no. Yeah. No. We yeah. always expect the first cut to be long, but three hours? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it always goes with this. Like, And then you, then you got to get someone in there. Or maybe the editors got to be like, all right, well, I need to have more say. Because there's a lot of editors that will cut stuff out constantly. Directors mm-hmm. or someone else gets in the way. Editors are usually like, I will cut this thing to shit. Yeah. Because they're not personally connected to the film. Right. That's why you need someone. Mm -hmm. But sometimes directors get final say or writers. Who knows? Too many cooks in the kitchen sometimes. Exactly. All right. Let's move on to the museum. The 
This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out in the film jungle like Indy. We come back. Good, bad. What are we putting in the museum? I'm going to put that cat, Ruby. The cat? (laughs) I think that was the part of the movie that I really enjoyed when they allowed them to keep a cat in the mental institution. I really liked that. Part of me wants to put Jerry Leto's beard in there. You really had a lot to say about that. He's a nice beard. But didn't you you say it was fake? It was a little bit, yeah. I think on the on the top um, sides here, but I was like, "That's fine." Yeah. So he's a pretty boy with a nice beard. Thank God, a little some of it's fake. Yeah. So here's basically what happened: is I'm watching Jared Leto, who's I think at the time was very attractive, and I'm trying to pay attention to the scene. And Stephen's sitting about six feet away from me on the edge of the couch, saying, "I think that beard is. I think that's fake. I think that's fake." And I'm trying to pay attention to the scene, but seems I think that's fake. Like some of it has to be fake. He was having a whole conversation with himself about Jared Leto's beard. It definitely <laughs> was filled in. And I was just thinking to myself, who cares? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying he's a pretty boy. Thank God he didn't also have like a big, thick, luscious, full beard. Yeah. I don't know. I it just, still looked like a good beard. I was it's trying just a little to. In. I was trying to pay attention to the story, and you're like, "That's a beard." I think. No, I think it's fake. I think it's a fake beard. And I was like, "Okay." I, I guess the one thing I would actually skipping over all of that. Um, <laughs> the one thing I would put in. I really thought they did a really good job with the wardrobe and setting up the world. I felt like this was the late 1960s. There was nothing in here where it made. I didn't lose the story at all. I never got disconnected from the story because of the wardrobes or anything like that. Mm-mm. Everything felt really well done. So maybe that's where a lot of the money went. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I I didn't. I also didn't think that it. I thought everything looked 1960s and was pretty cool. And well, even when they were driving through parts of the town, they looks. I was like, how did they dress up this town so well? I mean, that costs a lot of money and time. Yeah. And then, of course, her mom with her, like, Joan Crawford dresses. and Joan mm-hmm. Crawford, right? That's the person I'm thinking of. I have no the... clue. Is that the mom from Leave it to Beaver? Uh, I hate to say yes because I don't actually know. I don't know either. I'm going to go with whatever. Joan mm-hmm. Cleaver. Cleaver? Sure. Leave it to Beaver? I don't know. Cleaver, whatever. Beaver. Anyway, she had those, like, dresses, those mom dresses from, like, the 50s, 60s. Mm-hmm. And she looked... I thought she just played a great mom. She is good. I mean, she's kind of unfeeling bitch, but like, yeah, she's yeah, a good mom. She did a great job. <laughs> like, I was like, damn, just the way she was standing and like giving her guest hors d'oeuvres and drinks at her party, I was just like, ah, oh, I know what kind of ma this is. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got you pegged, ma. She's like, how long is it going to take? What do you mean it's hereditary? I can't do this anymore. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I really like this mom. Really? Okay. I I found her to be kind of eh. See, the dad to me, I was just like, ah. Yeah, Yeah, I don't even remember him really. Because he's just like the typical like 1940s, 50s, 60s dad where it's just like everything's about the end result. Yeah. Like that. I bet he was. He was working for MIT. I don't know if it was MIT, but it was a prestigious university. Yeah, whatever. So he's probably mathematics, I'm assuming. I don't know. 
Yeah, he's probably the kind of guy who's just like, math is the perfect language. And you're like, oh, Jesus, I got to go. I really don't want to get caught in the corner with you in a party. Please don't tell me about an equation you solved. Oh, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, that's that dad. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up this week. Come back next week. Maybe it's a Matt week. We don't know. It's week to week. I think if it's not a Matt week, you probably will hear from me again. Yeah, but we're not... We're going to do one of them. I'm choosing the next movie. Yeah, Steven's lucky that I'm basically a live-in co-host, so... Yeah, I'm going balls out crazy with the next one. Sad face. (laughs) I can only imagine. Gonna go cray. Please just no sci-fi. Please no sci-fi. Please. All right, fine. Barbarians. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) Swords and sorcery. Swords and sandals. For for the rest of you out there, I really hope that Matt is back soon. But the reason he's not is because of COVID-19. And who knows how long this is going to continue. So Tell him the truth. He actually died in a noodling accident. I cannot confirm or deny that. That's right. Who knew he was a good catfish uh, fisherman? I, I don't know. He sticks his hand on those holes, but he he fucked with the wrong catfish one day. Yeah, ripped his arm right off. I don't. I don't know. It's a little known fact that he's very good at noodling. Was was very good at noodling. Okay. On that note, <laughs> I hope he listens to this. And he's just like, how did he know? <laughs> on that note, remember to be kind and rewind.